So we are starting the end of this series on Joshua. This Joshua series, we have been walking with Joshua uh, for the last five weeks, and Joshua has taken us on a journey. As you know, Joshua took over from Moses as God uh, relieved Moses of his duties. He was really old, buried him. Joshua led the, uh, the children over to the, uh, into the promised land and over to cross the Jordan River. And what we learned is that God gives us second chances. Aren't you glad for second chances? God gives us second chances when we mess up. The Israelites messed up, they didn't obey God to enter into the promised land. 40 years later, after wandering in the wilderness, they're back again. Thank God for his grace and second chances. But when we access that second chance opportunity, you and I have gotta make sure we approach it a little differently like the children of Israel, and we talked about that. We gotta approach it a little differently. So we, had, we thanked God for the second chances um, in our life as the Israelites were able to do that as well. Then we talked about Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute, and we learned that God would use anyone he desires to accomplish his will, anyone he desires. You know that crazy cousin, you know, that's in your life, you know, maybe he's been in and out of prison or whatever, you know, he, he, he can use him too to affect your life and to do something wonderful in your life and to even speak to you as, as maybe God speaks through, through him. Or there's some people in your life, you're like, wow, I had no idea that God could use this person. Well, we had no idea that God would use a prostitute to help the Israelites uh, to get secret information to be able to attack a Jericho. And so you never know who God is going to use. And then we talked about the 12 stones um, as, as um, the Israelites cross over into Jordan. They uh, basically, uh, as God instructed them, gave God a, a, a monument of 12 stones. So they took 12 large stones one, for, one stone for each tribe of the Israelites, one, one stone for each of the, of the original uh, brothers of Abraham. And they took those stones out of their troubles, out of J- the Jordan River and into um, a, a, the new land. And on the banks of the Jordan, on the other side, they were able to make a monument. And so what that teaches us uh, is this. We, we've got to uh, put... Uh, some faith in action. We've got to do something. We've got to make a statement. You know, God, I believe, is calling each of us to a, a promised land, something that's better than uh, where we're at right now, okay? Now, I, don't, I don't mean all across the board, okay? There's probably really great areas happening in your life. There's some great areas happening in my life, okay? I, I, I love uh, my marriage. I uh, love my wife. And uh, my marriage is a perfect, but I'm really, really loving, you know, what God is doing in, in, in our marriage. It can always be a little better, of course. But there's some other areas in my life that I'm like, you know, I just feel like I'm, in, I'm in, uh, uh, enslaved just like the Israelites were in Egypt. I just feel like I'm, I'm not really able to break through and become the person really God wants me to be in certain areas of my life. That may be you as well. Maybe God is saying, you know, this area, it could be better than what it is now. It could be so much better. I've got this place for you, and if you would just do that. And so what we learned about the Israelites is they put God first. They actually put the, uh, the Ark of the Tabernacle, they, they put the Ark of the Covenant into the river first. 
Now, the ark was uh, something that was man-made, but it was God-filled. God filled it with the Spirit, and he was able to, um, to speak to the Israelites, to be with them with the Spirit. Of course, we don't need the ark of the covenant now because of the New Testament, the new covenant of the fact that Jesus can live inside of us. We are a living, walking ark of the new covenant. And so as the Israelites crossed into Jordan, they put God first. They led with the ark. When we, are, when we are in need of going to that land that God has for us, we need to put God first. We need to put God first. We need to build that monument. We need to make a statement in our life to what uh, God is doing um, and where he is taking us. And then um, last week, we talked about the fall of Jericho. What was really, really interesting about the fall of Jericho is that the, the walls, before they came tumbling down, the Israelites had to, had to walk around the walls. Now, God told, God told Joshua that, that he needed to walk around the walls for, for seven days, and on the seventh day, walk around seven times. But it's interesting, we have no record of Joshua telling the Israelites, that's what we're going to do. Meaning there's no record of him giving the elders together and the Israelites and saying, okay, guys, here's what the plan is. We're going to march around this, this, city, this city once on, you know, on Monday, and then on Tuesday, we're going to do it again. And then on Wednesday, and he did not spell out that plan. He said, hey, guys, get ready, because we're about to walk around, uh, walk around Jericho. And so they walked around Jericho. And so I can just imagine. So what's next? Well... Let's just, let's just wait. And so the next day, Jericho says, okay, guys, get, uh, uh, Joshua says, get, get ready because we're gonna walk around Jericho again. Okay, well, all right, we'll, we'll do it again. And, and then the third day and the fourth day. And so every day was sort of this sort of same thing and this new instruction that, that uh, they were waiting for and it, it ended up being the same instruction. You know, have you ever felt like that God is calling you to something great and God is ready to pull the, the walls down of fear and depression and, and anxiety in your life and it just seems like it's not happening yet and God is just saying, just circle around the walls again. Circle around the walls again. Read, read that passage. Read, read, read my word. I, I read your word yesterday. Well, read it again. Well, I, I prayed with you yesterday. Pray again. Circle around those walls circled around those walls. And it can be so mundane. I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, it, 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 with my sort of ADD, sometimes ADHD sort of personality, I am, um, I find it a little difficult to really focus in on, on reading God's word and praying and, and just saying, okay, God, all the distractions are gone. And it could be so mundane at times. And I'm going to be honest because, you know, I've read these five chapters. Well, next, I'm going to read the next five chapters. Then I'm going to read the next five chapters. I'm in Romans now. Love Romans. And so, but it could be so, sort of mundane. But what you may not realize is that God is slowly but surely preparing those walls to come down in your life, whatever those walls are. And so, I want to encourage you to just keep steady the course in your life, and God will bring those down. So now we find Joshua and the children of Israel. 
The walls have come down. They've killed all the people in, in Jericho, except for Rahab, of course, a prostitute. And they, they kill them all. And then they attack the city of Ai. And, and uh, Jackson talked about that last week and walked through that. And then they, they made a, a, a covenant or they made a, a sort of a, a, an agreement uh, with the Gibeonites. And so with the country and, and the kingdom of Gibeon. And so that is where we find um, Joshua and the children of Israel as we are in Joshua chapter 10. Now you may say, okay, if we're gonna finish today, <laughs> we're in Joshua chapter 10 and Joshua has quite a few more, like up to like 24 chapters. Are we gonna read this whole book? No, what we're gonna do is um, we're gonna go from here, then we're gonna go towards the end because sort of after this scene, there's a few other battles and then it's really a whole big lesson in real estate. <laughs> Basically what Joshua uh, tells, he says, okay, this clan uh, of, of the uh, Israelites, you're gonna get this portion of, um, of Israel, of the new land. And you guys, your family is gonna get this. And you guys, you're gonna get this, okay? And so it was basic, it's just basically a lesson on, on uh, real estate of the new land. And we're not gonna really go into all of that. Feel free to read all of that, especially if you can't go to sleep, all right? So, um, so we're, we find ourselves in Joshua chapter 10. We're gonna read just verse one and two. It says this, now uh, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem. They say, Jerusalem? Wow, isn't that gonna be the, isn't that the city, the capital of, of Israel? Yes, it is, okay? But it wasn't yet. Uh, heard that Joshua had taken Ai <clears throat> and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and to become their allies. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than I, and all his men were good fighters. Now, what happened is Gibeon heard what Joshua did with uh, Jericho and I, and they're like, uh, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And so I'm going to um, have a treaty with Joshua and Israelites, and we're not gonna, we're not gonna go through all of that. So let's skip over uh, to, uh, to verse seven. As we prepare to read verse seven, what happens is this king of, of uh, Jerusalem, he decides to contact four other kings, and he gets on the phone and says, okay, guys, we gotta get this, we gotta get this uh, guy, Joshua, and the Israelites are gonna come and they're gonna take over this a land. Did you hear what they did to, to the powerful city of Jericho and, and to Ai and, and the treaty they made with the, these powerful fighting men in Gibeon? What are we gonna do? Well, we're gonna join together. He's, he's faced one country at a time, one kingdom at a time. Let's see if he could face five at a time. Isn't that just like the devil? You get a victory, he comes after you with five times more. We'll talk about that. Verse seven, so Joshua marched up from Gilgal. This is where they were, they were at after they crossed over Jordan. <clears throat> With his entire army, including all of the best fighting men, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I've given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Izakah and Makadah. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon and to Izakah, the Lord 
hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, that was a group of the nationality of all those kings, over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, sun stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ehialon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation re, uh, avenged itself on its enemies. As is written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. So, uh, surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua would return with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot to unpack. So as you could tell, that the five kings, they came together and they, they marched down to, to Gibeon and they, they wanted to wage war. They wanted to pick a fight with the Israelites. So they went and attacked Gibeon. Said, like, well, if you're gonna make a treaty with Gibeon, we're just gonna attack Gibeon. So they're picking a fight, right? And so Joshua won't have any word of that. And so he went and he fought them. And of course, um, uh, God was on their side and uh, had the sun stand still and all this stuff. So what, what does this mean to us? What does this look like in, in our lives? I mean, are we really going to be able to go outside and sun stand still, you know, for about a day? Are we able to, are we able to is there a reason for us to a, a, able to do that? Is there really any justification uh, for that at all? Well, there's a couple of things I want us to, to bring out in this passage. And it will all end with sort of a, a sun standstill prayer that I believe God wants you to make. So a few things about this passage is that number one, the, the battle will continue. The battles will continue because they're part of the war. So the war will consist of several battles. So Joshua... When he entered into the promised land, he had to tackle one at a time, and then more battles came. And so when, when, uh, when Joshua was faced with these battles, um, it wasn't something that uh, you just had to go one battle and you're done. There were continues to be more and more and more battles. So when, when God is calling you to something greater, when God is calling you to enter into a better situation in your life, a better situation in your life, he could be calling you to that, then you could be at a place where there's lots and lots of battles, one after another, and you need to be prepared for that. Whatever Egypt you're in, whatever Egypt you're in now, whatever has you enslaved, God, that's not God's plan for you, just like the Israelites. That wasn't God's plan for the Israelites to be in Egypt and to stay there. God's like, no, I've got a better situation for you. But here's the deal. You're, you're gonna have to fight. You're gonna have to fight for it. So folks, whenever we're entering the promised land, it's not gonna be something that's gonna be easy. You're gonna have to fight for it. You're gonna to have to fight not one battle, not two battles, but several battles. In fact, later on, we find that, that Joshua and the Israelites, they defeated 
31 kings and 31 kingdoms. That's a lot of battles. That's a lot of battles. And so what, what you and I are, are going through is, is a, uh, it, it needs, we need to be reminded of each other that we're gonna face those things. We're gonna face those battles. There are people right now in this room, there are people part of this church, you're fighting a battle that, because you've tried to enter this promised land of, of, of a better marriage, a better health, uh, better finances, whatever it is, whatever area in your life, and, and, and you are trying to enter that and you're facing these battles and you're facing these battles one at a time. And, and when you finish one, another one comes. And then another one is stronger. You thought the first one was bad. Now you've got five um, situations uh, uh, that are trying to attack you. Five different people, five different relationships, whatever it is, you're fighting those battles over and over again. And so we need to be aware that those battles will continue. So when the enemy sees you succeed at a first battle, he will be after you for more. So be prepared. Be prepared. It's a war. It's not about just a battle. Okay? Second thing I want us to realize is to go to the enemy. We need to go to the enemy. If you look at Joshua in the story, Joshua did not wait for the enemy to go to them. They were, they were situated at Gilgal. Now, Gilgal was a little bit north of where uh, Gibeon was. And, and, um, and the Gibeon is a little bit um, east um, of, of, uh, uh, west of Jericho. And then so as they got uh, Jericho and they made a, uh, a pact with Gibeon and then on further west was the city of Jerusalem, okay? So Joshua did not wait for Jerusalem and all of these kings to come together to go up to Gilgal. He did not wait for them. He's like, wait, they wanna fight us? They wanna try to, they wanna try to stop us from entering in this promised land? We're not gonna allow them to go to us, come to us. We're gonna go to them. We are going to go to them. So you need to go to where the enemy is. Give me for an example, okay? Families. One of the, one of the, one of the biggest topics and, and conversations that I have with, with families is this. One of the number, especially families with children, one of the number one things that we have to talk through. Man, I got a text this week with somebody not even in our church says, Frank, what do you do to stop impurities from coming into your home through the internet, through mobile phones, through the computer? What, how, 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 how do you do this? Of course, my response is, hey, it's difficult. It's a battle. It's a battle. It's a battle to win the war, to have a, a pure family life. And, and it's gonna be difficult. But let me tell you something. This is important. Don't wait for the battle to come to you. You need to go to it. Because let me tell you something. When the battle comes to you, it's gonna come on full force. Because I believe Joshua knew that. Five kingdoms coming to Joshua. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Lord wanted to, the Lord was there to help them, but Joshua knew and I believe he had, he had wisdom from the Lord. Look, we're not gonna let them come to our territory. We're not gonna let them come to us. We're gonna go to them. We're gonna fight them on their territory. We're gonna go to them. And so don't wait for that enemy to come to your house. You need to defeat it beforehand. You need to be proactive about that. Now, this is just one example of other areas in your life. 
other areas in your life. If God wants you to make healthy food choices, okay, you can't wait for those unhealthy food choices to come and attack you. You need to go and attack it. You need to be, uh, you need to be proactive, not reactive, and you need to be able to have a plan. And so that new life, that new promised land that God has for you, you, you need to attack it. Now, let me talk to the teenagers in this room. There's a few teenagers, there's a few middle school and high school students here. Now, let me tell you something. Your parents, when, when they try to help set up boundaries for you, they, they're not after you. They're after another enemy that you can't see. They're after another enemy that represents the filth that's coming into our homes. And so when, when they are trying to provide those defenses in your, in your home, and your life, when they're taking the phone from you and putting restrictions on your phone or whatever, or shutting down the internet, it's not because they're after you. They're after an enemy. They're after a greater enemy. They love you. They love you. They're not after, they're not after you. When, when Joshua went to Gibeon, he didn't go to Gibeon to attack. He already made a, an agreement, a partnership with them. We're not gonna attack you. We're not there to attack you. We're there to attack the real enemy. So students, give your parents a break. Help them out. Because let me tell you something, they're just trying to literally save your life. So we've got to understand that the war consists of several battles and we've got to go to that enemy. Another thing we've got to realize is, is that God will show that he is with you. Did you, did you remember in the passage where we, where we read that God brought huge hailstones? I would love to see this. God brought huge hailstones down from, from the heavens, from the sky, and just, just killed a bunch of people. In fact, more people than what the Israelites killed with the sword. And so the, uh, these uh, hailstones or meteors or whatever you want to call them, I mean, it killed a bunch of soldiers. And so what that shows is this, look, Joshua, I know I told you to go and, and attack, but I'm gonna let you know you're not alone. I'm with you. You're not alone. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm causing these hell zones to defeat some things, some enemies that you're facing. So what God is saying this, look, the, the, the promised land of, of your new life, because right now you're in, a, you're in a situation, whatever that situation is, you're trapped like an, like an Israelite in Egypt and God's like, no, you don't belong there. You don't belong there. You belong in the promised land. Whatever this, this new area has got to have improvements. And, and, and I know I've call, I want you to go to there. I'm calling you that. And I know you're facing battle after battle. And I'm asking you to go to it first. But let me understand. Let me make you uh, aware of something. I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Be strong. Be courageous. He's there telling you these things. Yes, they were written to Joshua. It's in the book of Joshua. Be strong and courageous. But the reason why it's there today for us to read is because it's the same message that God has for you and for me. Be strong. Be courageous. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Look, I'm proving it to you. Even in the middle of battle, I'm bringing down some hailstones.
Maybe God's calling you to a, a, to a better relationship. Maybe you're in a relationship. Maybe you're dating someone and you know it's, it's not godly. And God's saying, you know, you need to get out of that. I've got something better. I've got something better. Or, or maybe you're, you're in that marriage situation and there's some things about your marriage. Maybe you're fighting all the time or, or maybe there's apathy that's settled in. Or maybe there's some insecurity that's settled into life. Or maybe there's some unforgiveness or bitterness or feelings of separation that, that keeps coming into your marriage and, and keeping you up at night and you're worried. But God is saying, look, I'm ready to throw the hailstones to knock out those feelings of separation, bitterness, unforgiveness, fear in your marriage. But you know what? <laughs> Joshua would have never have seen that epic scene of the hail coming down if he never would have left Gilgal, if he never would have left Gilgal and attacked the enemy first. Never would have seen it. So God is telling you this, I believe. Look, you gotta start. You gotta start. You gotta enter in the promised land. You gotta, you gotta face these battles. And when you do that, I'm going to show my power and my might in your life. Maybe it's... Uh, Maybe you're supposed to enter in a promised land of, of just better living, better health. You know, those, those, those cravings, those cravings for junk food, those cravings for cigarettes, the cravings for alcohol that you're trying to get. Maybe God's saying, look, I'm ready to bring the hailstones down on those cravings in your life and get rid of them. But look, you gotta start the battle. You gotta start the war. You gotta get into the promised land and you gotta, we gotta do this together. You gotta leave Gilgal and go to the battle. Don't wait for it to come to you. You gotta go to the battle. And I will show you what I could do. What, hail, what hailstones need to come down in your life to knock out those things in your life that's just keeping you, keeping you trapped? What? What are those hailstones? What are those cravings? What are those feelings? So we see in this passage, when we, when we decide to go into the promised land, it's not gonna be easy. We need to be ready to fight. There's gonna be battle after battle after battle, and some stronger than the others. There needs to be um, an attitude that I'm not gonna let the enemy come to me. I'm gonna go to the enemy. And then there, uh, there needs to be this... Um, this expectation, if you will, of God showing his power and his might. Of God showing his power and his might. I could just imagine just Joshua. They're fighting these, these, this enemy, these five kings, and, and they're, they're Gibeon, and, and they're, they're now sort of chasing them away, and they're, they're pursuing them. They're not just running out at Gibeon. They want to kill them all. Because God said so. So they're, so they're routing their enemies, so they're chasing them. And God is saying, all right, now's a good time, God, for you to show forth something. It's, it's like an expectation. What, a, what are you expecting God to do in your battle? And then the fourth thing, the last thing is this. After God showed Joshua and Israel they were not fighting alone, we see Joshua take 
an audacious prayer in verse 12. And that prayer was this, son, stand still. Now, there are a few more words about the prayer, but those are the three main words. Son, stand still. And, and this prayer, he spoke in the presence of Israel. And this prayer was actually not a request, but it was actually in the form of a command. Now, he spoke it in the presence of Israel, but he was talking to God. Son, stand still over Gibeon. Now, why, why did Joshua need to have the sun stand still? Because you see, those five kings that were going against them, it, they didn't have enough daylight to finish a battle. They didn't have enough daylight and they wanted to finish it then because they did not want darkness to fall and them to have to retreat and them to, you know, to regroup and do it the next morning because they knew they would be all spread out to their different kingdoms. They now have to go to different kingdoms, but what did they need to do? They needed more daylight. So they prayed, he prayed this amazing, audacious prayer. Sun, stand still. Now listen, Joshua can't control the sun. We can't control the sun but he knows someone who can. So a couple of things about this, this audacious prayer. It, when, when God is calling us to, a, to a, a better, healthier area of our life, God wants us to pray a prayer that's audacious. God wants us to pray a prayer that is almost unbelievable. But he wants us to say a prayer that is in front of others. He doesn't want us to say a prayer that is held in secret. He wants us to say a prayer that's in front of others, just like Joshua. Joshua said that prayer in front of Israel. I could just imagine the Israelites. Uh, can somebody please get Joshua some water? Because he's, he's going a little crazy. He's delusional. Maybe he's over, you know, maybe he's like dehydrated or something. There's something wrong with Joshua because he just told the son to stand still. Does he know that he can't do that? That's crazy. You're right. It is crazy. But God wanted Joshua to say that prayer in front of the Israelites. If you can't share it, then you don't believe it. If you can't share it, you don't believe it. Well, I believe God's gonna remove my craving for alcohol. I believe God's gonna remove my craving for cigarettes. I believe God's gonna remove my craving for pornography. I believe God is, and if you could pray that, you could say that as much as you want in secret, <laughs> but until you share it, you don't believe it. You gotta say it in front of others. You gotta say it in front of others. It holds you accountable and it just increases your faith. You're like, boom, okay, God, how's that for faith? I just told the son to stand still in front of the Israelites. God's like, yes. That's what God wants you to do. Maybe not the son to stand still, 
But it's like, no, God, I, I will have a better marriage. I, my, my, my children who are all messed up and they're far away from God, they will come back home. And I'm not going to just say it be, between me and God. I'm going to tell it to my church. I'm going to tell it to my small group. I'm going to tell it to my family. We are going to proclaim it, that this is going to happen. If you can't share it, you don't believe it. That right there is readers is enough to come to church today but we're not done. Whenever the audacious prayer happens, it needs to have an element of disbelief. It needs to have an element of disbelief. If others aren't questioning your audacious prayer, then maybe it's not audacious. If others aren't questioning you're crazy, if people aren't saying, that's crazy, you can't, you can't do that then you know you're in good company. You know that you have a prayer that only God can answer. Because remember, you gotta share it to believe it. And when others don't believe it and think you're crazy, then it's audacious. It's an audacious prayer. So you need to have a prayer that others just can't believe. And then as we found and we talked about, it's not a request. That was not a request. You did not find Joshua kind of going into a cave somewhere away from the Israelites and saying, hey God, we we need some more light because we can't defeat this enemy. So, you know, could maybe, could you possibly Bring us some more light. You know, I mean, the, the, the biggest light we have is the sun. So what if, what if you maybe cause the sun to send so? I mean, wow, that's, that's kind of crazy, but maybe you could do that. Okay, well, nice talking to you, God. And he goes out the cave and goes back to the Israelites. That's not what he did. That is not what he did. It was a command. It was not a request. Son Stand still. Son, stand still. Tumor, cancer, stop growing. Debt in my finances, stop growing. Kids with bad attitudes, get it. It's gonna be fixed. Whatever the issue in your life that's causing you to not be at a place where God wants you to be, you need to stop requesting and start commanding. They say, that's bold, Frank. It's not my idea. I'm just preaching what Joshua went through. Now, does that mean that everything we pray for needs to be a command? No. No, we need to go to God with fear and trembling. We need to go to God and, and request that God listen to us and that request that God would meet our prayer. And the more that we are in tune with God, the more we spend time with God, the more that our requests will line up with God's plan. 
So I'm not going to request that because that really doesn't line up with God's plan. I'm not going to request a brand new swimming pool so my kids will have, have, a, have a place to play in the backyard because that doesn't really line up with God's plan right now. We're in debt. How can I afford a swimming pool? So I'm not going to pray for that. But I am going to pray for this and that and those things. And so, yeah, we need to pray. We need to ask God for things. But there are some things in our life that keeps keeping us down. And there are some things in our life where the enemy keeps attacking that we just need to get fed up. And we need to start sharing some things with people. We need to make it so that people are like, you're crazy. I question it. And then we need to speak to it. It needs to be a command, not a request. It needs to be a command, not a request. So I want to be personal with you today. So um, as you know, we as a church, we have been called to go into a promised land. It's right around the corner, 20 acres. It rests between 4th Street and Red Top Mountain Road. And God has made it clear. And for those of you who are guests, I, I can't really go into it. You can, you can go to onechair.org and look at the videos and find out all the information and find the backstory and catch up. But we know that God has called us to that new land, that promised land. And we know that it is audacious. It's way too big of a project for us to do on our own. I've shared that. But let me tell you, as someone like Joshua, who God has spoken to, I have to wear a lot of that. I try to give it out as much as I can. I've got, we've got people in our church who are praying, people who are giving. Many of you are giving. You're making sacrifices. We're all doing this together. But I, I'm, in, I'm talking to other people. I'm meetings and all this stuff. And, and I tell you, it, it, it's just a lot hold on to. It's a lot of weight to bear. There's lots of fears and, and worries and everything about this. And I look at it and go, oh my gosh. And I have prayed an audacious prayer. But I can't believe it unless I share it. So I'm going to share with you my audacious prayer. My audacious prayer is this. Three million dollars come forth. Three million dollars come forth. Now you may say, well, Frank, we're, we're all joining together. We're, we're combining together to, to help raise the funds. And, and for those of you who are new, three million dollars for the entire project, everything to get us on the property and, and some of the things we want to do in just first phase building. And so you may think, well, Frank, we're doing some things. We're all, yes, absolutely. But can I tell you something? Our first step is to purchase the land. And, and we have enough pledges to take care of the land, you know, and more after three years of pledges are up, but we don't have enough money that's given or pledged to buy the land by our due date in February of 2019. And so that's why I need to share with you $3 million come forth. 
I'm sharing it, so I believe it. Now you say, but Frank, does that mean we gotta come? Hey, I don't know where it comes up. I don't know where it comes up. I mean, most likely it's gonna come outside of our church, obviously. We're actually believing that. But I also believe that when we do our part, God's gonna do his part. When you get on board, when we all get on board collectively and say, I'm gonna, here's my part. Here's my $10, my, my $100, my $1,000, my $10,000, which is a chair, my, my $100,000, whatever it is, when we do the part that God has called us to do, that God will do his part. But we gotta have an audacious prayer. That prayer is also a command, it's not a request. $3 million, wherever you're at, wherever you're at in the world, come forth. Come forth. It's like Joshua prayed, son, stand still. I know it's crazy. But I was convicted as I was preparing this sermon. God's like, you prayed that audacious prayer to me, but you've never shared it. So I did my part. I shared it. It's crazy. Feel free to tell, tell everybody. My, my pastor just said, tell $3 million to come forth. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Reminds me of another crazy miracle. Jesus talking to his friend Lazarus. Four days in the tomb. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Jesus did not go in the dark of night. He did not go when everybody was asleep and sneak into the tomb and by the grave and by the cave and the, and the stone and say, Hey, uh, Lazarus, I'm here by myself. You probably can't hear me, but maybe you can. Just, you know, come, just come forth, okay? Just come forth. I'll, I'll roll the stone away. It'll happen, it'll happen. No. In the broad of day, night, daylight, in the broad of daylight, it, it, with, with other people around, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. He did the same thing that Joshua did. In front of people, it was audacious, can you imagine the people around the, around the tomb, those, those people who are mourning the death of Lazarus and going, what did he just say? He's talking to a dead guy four days, told him to come forth out of the tomb. That's crazy. That's audacious. I can't even believe in that. I can't even wrap my head around that. You're right. And Jesus said it in a command, not a request, a command. So I've shared one of my audacious prayers and I really believe it's the audacious prayer of our church. I'm just gonna say as, as pastor of this church, that is our audacious prayer. You wanna pray it with me? You can. Three million dollars come forth. Three million dollars come forth. Now why do we need that? It's not for us to build some sort of, you know, whatever in man's eyes. It's so that we can do ministry and more effectively at a place and we can reach people and, and right where they are and meet the needs of people and share the love of Jesus Christ and share the gospel. So what, as I close, what audacious prayers God waiting for you to pray? What audacious prayer is God waiting for you to pray. What does that look like? What, in, in, in your marriage, in your health, 
in whatever relationships. What is God waiting for? What is that prayer? Is that audacious? Have you shared it with people? Is it a command and not a request? Is it something that, man, you just can't do? Something that's crazy? Then you need to say that prayer. You need to say that prayer. You need to figure out what that prayer is and share it with people. As, um, as Joshua closed out his life, a couple of verses here in Joshua 24, 14 through 15, his last chapter. He says this, now fear the Lord, sort of giving advice to people as he's, as he's slowly uh, riding off in the sunset. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. The reason why he was able to say that, because he lived a life of audacity. He believed in God's calling him and the Israelites to a promised land, and he believed that God was gonna be with them. God showed him that, and then he made incredible, audacious statements, like sun stand still. So, in the end of your life, can you say, as for me and my house, we served the Lord. We serve the Lord. Show your kids. Show your spouse, show your family, show your friends. We will serve the Lord with power and might. So as we close, just every head bowed, every eye closed, just, I want this to, uh, we're not gonna sing a song and we're not gonna have an altar call, have people come up. This is just between you and God right now. I want you to ask yourselves this question. Ask yourself, what audacious prayer you prayed to God that deals with your current situation that's filled with filth, despair, fear, worry, separation, anxiety, whatever. What audacious prayer have you prayed? And if you haven't prayed that, just ask the Lord, Lord, just, um, just forgive me for that. Forgive me for that. And then ask the Lord to give you wisdom. Lord, what does that prayer look like? It probably looks like something that is unbelievable. It probably looks like something that is unbelievable. So what 
could be the unbelievable in your life that needs to happen. What is that? Maybe you have a, a child that is strayed away from the Lord and needs to come back to you, comes back to the Lord. Maybe you have a marriage that it's on the brink of divorce and it needs an audacious prayer. Maybe it's a, a situation with your money that is just so out of whack. It needs an audacious prayer. Maybe you're, you're here today and you've got, a, you've got a major health issue. You're fighting a disease and you're like, it needs to have an audacious prayer. They come up with that prayer, share it with people, and then make it a statement, not a request. Not a request. Father, give us strength, give us wisdom, give us boldness. You told us, Lord, to be strong, to be courageous. So Lord, we, we wanna be strong, we wanna be courageous, but we've gotta be strong and courageous with our audacity, with the prayers that we pray to you. So Lord, I pray, Lord, that everybody in this room, they'll walk away with whatever prayer that they need to pray and they need to share. And I pray, Lord Jesus, you move in our lives. You bring down hailstones that's gonna knock out enemies in our life that we didn't even know were there. Draw us closer to you, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.